All right. Could our faithful usher over there turn our lights down for us? Or the faithful usher's daughter, either one. <laughs> if you have a cell phone, would you maybe just take a second and throw it on a vibrate or do not disturb or something so we don't have phones going off in the middle of worship? That'd be a blessing. Thank you. All right. We'll go ahead and open up for worship then.
Jesus, we are building our lives on you, Lord, because you gave us new life. You gave us life and life more abundantly. Lord, you took what was dirty and wretched and sick, Lord, and you brought something brand new out of it. The old man has passed away, and behold, all things are made new. You're so good to us, Lord. Crazy.
says that no one can snatch us out of your hand, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, and that forever and ever, our beloved is ours, and we are his.
We thank you, Jesus, for the blood that paid for that, for the blood that paid our ransom, for the blood that changed us from slave to sin to servants of God, to sons and daughters of the Most High King. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. All right, good evening. Good to see you all here. Look at that little baby. We have a new member of the congregation. Yeah. Praise God. All right, well, turn with me to 1 Samuel. We're going to be doing chapter 27 tonight. So we're working our way through the Old Testament. There's a few things. we get see a little downturn in uh, the life of David here, and it's one of the things about the Bible. <clears throat> it's uh, honest about the heroes, you know. It shares the good and the bad, and often, uh, you know, fictional uh, stuff doesn't do that. And so, uh, well, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being our God, for loving us so much, Lord, and just for uh, just being honest with us and uh, just showing us uh, that um, everybody you use are just people, Lord, human beings, and uh, we have good times and bad times, and uh, Lord, we just help us to learn uh, from this example here, Father. And so guide us right now, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, let's just read through this uh, first, the whole text. Uh, It's not a long chapter. And then we'll go back through. So 1 Samuel, chapter 27. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. Hold on a second. This, uh, how nice. My thing updated to Windows 11, and it's got a big Cortana thing in the middle of my, like, go away. Yeah. Huh? No, it was not. Okay, so verse 4. And when it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of your country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? You hear that David saying, Your servant, calling himself to Achish. So that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Malachites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as Shur. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Achish asked, where have you made your raid today? Uh, David would say, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of the Jerahamalites, or against the Negev of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. 
And Achish trusted David. And Achish trusted David, thinking he had made himself an utter stench to the people of Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. And then chapter 28, verse 1. In those days, in the, Philist- the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know your ser- you shall know what your ser- servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. So this is David, you know, anointed by God, right? The anointed to be the king. I guess he's the king elect because uh Saul is still the king, but man after God's own heart. And he has now teamed up with the enemy, teamed up with the Philistines, and to the point now where they're going to make war against God's people, and he's going to join in on that. And so how, what happened? I mean, how did he get so far off, of tra- off track here? And uh, I just want to just kind of review his life here, the circumstances that David's experiencing. And so in chapter 16, verse 12, that's when he's chosen by God. Remember uh, all, the, all of the sons of Jesse come through and, and he's the youngest one. He's out in the field and he comes by and Samuel says, this is it. And he anoints him as king. And uh, we're told David's filled with the spirit. Uh, then we're told in verse 22 of 16 that Saul finds favor in David. Remember uh, when, when uh, David's full of the spirit, God pulled the Holy Spirit from Saul and this evil spirit comes upon Saul and uh, he, would, he was kind of going crazy and they found out they got David would play music for him and it would calm him down and so he appreciated that. Uh, in chapter 17, uh, David prevails over the Philistines by killing Goliath. Remember, no one would step up to do that. God was with him, obviously. In 18, David, we're told David was successful wherever Saul sent him. So wherever he went out, he was always very successful in that. And, and uh, in, uh, because of that, we're told that Saul becomes uh, jealous of David. Remember the lady singing the song, David, or Saul has killed his thousands, David is tens of thousands. And so Saul becomes jealous. Then in 19, Saul attempts to kill David. David hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, chapter 21, David goes to Nob and he lies to Ahimelech, the priest, who gives, remember, he gives him the showbread, he gives him Goliath's sword. And uh, then David uh, flees to Gath the first time uh, to King Achish. The, <clears throat> the same king that we see in this chapter, but in verse twenty, in chapter twenty-one, he was afraid, so he acted crazy. Remember, and he was all spinning up all over himself and uh, uh, just acting crazy. And uh, the king, the king's like, "Hey, you know, we're go sell crazy someplace else. We're all full up here." You know, he said, "What? What do I lack? My kingdom lacking? Mid madmen?" And so. Uh, then in chapter 22, David escapes to the cave of Adullam. And we see these 400, we can call them misfits maybe, join him. They were men of distress, men that were in debt, men that were bitter in soul, we're told. And they all uh, join up with David. And then in, in uh, 22.5, then the prophet uh, Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold depart and go into the land of Judah. So this prophet tells David, do not remain in the stronghold, go into the land of Judah. So David departed and he went in to the forest of Hereth. So David goes back to Judah like he's told. Uh, Later in chapter 22, Saul orders the killing of 85 priests along with the inhabitants of Nob. Remember when he found out the priest uh, Ahimelech had given the showbread and the sword to David. Uh, even though David had lied to him and uh, the, the guy, they all get put to death. It was a horrible situation. In chapter 23, David inquires of the Lord. Uh, finally, we see this and, and then, uh, and it was about attacking the Philistines. And so day, God says, go attack the Philistines. <coughs> Excuse me. In chapter 23, 
We're told David remains in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph, and saw, saw, Saul sought after him every day, but God did not give him into his hands. So the enemy, uh, his enemy, Saul, is after him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. God protected him every day that Saul was after him. Uh, in chapter 24, David spares Saul's life. Uh, in chapter 25, remember Nabal, they go up to Nabal's got this really wealthy man and uh, they're just asking for food for the, for the bunch. Nabal refuses provisions and uh, they're about ready to go. Uh, they all, he says, strap on your swords. We're going to go take care of this guy. And then uh, Abigail, Nabal's wife, intercedes on behalf of him uh, and uh, brings out food to them. And then God takes care of Nabal. He ends up having a stroke or something to the effect, we think. And 10 days later, he's dead. And then David ends up taking Abigail, uh, his widow, as his wife. Then in chapter 26, last week, David spares Saul again. Saul is uh, asleep, and he, and, uh, he spares him again. So uh, David's been very uh, merciful to Saul. And so now it's been, this has been, uh, some say seven years, some say ten or more years that he's on the run, that he's, that Saul's after him, he's out in the wilderness. I mean, this is a long time to be running for your life. And he knows after this second time that he spares Saul, even though Saul says he's repents and no, that's not, you know, I'm not going to go keep going. He knows he's not going to stop. And uh, he's probably running out of places to hide. You know, we, they found him in these caves again. And uh, at some point you got 600 men and their families. This is a big group of people uh to take care of you know they got to eat they got to uh there's a lot of food that they need to they need provisions and so just imagine that david has been on the run all of this time uh he knows he's been anointed to be king but it's not happening you know what's going on here and uh and so he, i just just think about your life you know can can we relate to that you know like david we have all of these promises from God, yet at times our circumstances in our lives, they kind of seem to speak otherwise, right? Where you go through difficult times and you wonder, you know, what's going on, Lord? Why, uh, you know, why am I going through these difficult times? In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, we're told, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we're told here through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And so uh, remember that like with Abraham, there is a time, he's, there's this promise of God that I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he, waited, he had to wait 20 years for to see that pregnancy that baby i mean it was a that's a lot of patience and and his their his life and sarah's life became the impossible she can't get she's too old they're both too old to be having a baby but that doesn't stop god you know that's the faith part but there's also patience with that you know um the other thing the other thing about our circumstances is you know why did uh you know there's two people we know that have can walk on water Jesus and Peter right Peter gets out of the boat but why and he's walking on water but why did he start sinking because we're told he took his eyes off of Jesus and he put his eyes on the circumstances on the on the waves and on the water and he started to realize man this you know I can't walk on water this is crazy and uh, you know when we start to look at God through our circumstances instead of looking at our circumstances through God's eyes, we're going to lose faith. We're going to lose patience, and we're going to lose the courage that we need. And, it, and the enemy will triumph over us in those situations. We need to trust in the Lord. Uh, Al put this verse on today. It was perfect. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. And, and God will... Uh, guide us you know it's it's not leading leaning on our understanding but trusting in the Lord and what he's going to do so that's where David ends up in this 
just a terrible situation, really defecting to the enemy country. And, uh, and let's go back, see what happened here in verse 1 again. It says, Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the hand of the Philistines. So he says in his heart, One day Saul's going to kill me, basically. He says, I'm going to die by the hand of Saul. One day Saul's going to kill me. Even though God says, you're going to be the king of Israel, he knows all this in his mind. But in his heart, he says, now I know know Saul's going to kill me one day. And then he says, there is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. He said, there's no, the best option for my life is to flee, even though God has told me to return to Judah, the best option for my life, this is what his heart is saying, is to go to the enemy, the camp of the enemies, to live with them. And then he says, Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 men who were with him, to Achish, son of Moak, king of Gath. He said in his heart, you know, there's, uh, I can't think of a, not that I'm an expert on romantic comedies or chick flicks or whatever. They always say that. They always say, listen to your heart, follow your heart. What is your heart telling you to do? What is your heart leading you to do? Right. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jesus said in Matthew 15, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. You don't want to follow your heart. That's not, although that's the advice of the world, your mind thinks things logically. When we say your heart, we're talking about your emotions and your feelings, right? And... In like those movies, those romantic movies, it's like, well, my brain's telling me this person I'm attracted to is married and they have a family and all that, but my heart is telling me I love them and blah, 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 and my brain's telling me I'm going to ruin this family and destroy them and we're all going to commit sin and all of this, but my heart is saying this. And so they, and then they tell you, oh, follow your heart. And it, and then in the movie, it all turns out great, even though they destroy this family. that's terrible advice. And David followed and said in his heart, even though God said, you're king, I have anointed you king of Israel. He says in his heart, Saul's going to kill me. That's what his heart's telling him. The deceitfulness of his heart is saying the opposite of what God was telling him to do. And, uh, but he followed it. And that was his big mistake here. So then we see in verse 3, it says, And David lived with Achish of Gath, he and his men, every man with his household. And so these, so the 600 men, their households, so their families, you know, they got wives and kids. This is it's probably 2,000, 2,500 people. And uh, David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when, he was told, and when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. So... <clears throat> David went there because he was afraid that Saul was going to kill him. And his plan was, when I go over here, Saul's going to stop pursuing me. And uh, did it work? Yeah, well, stop, Saul stopped pursuing him. But why? So we're told earlier that Saul was driven by an evil spirit, right? This evil spirit was driving Saul. For what reason would an evil spirit stop? Well, if David goes into the hand of the enemy, he's exact, the evil spirit's like, hey, that's a great place. You know, go hang out, go hang out with them. And, and we're seeing about, seeing a minute, he's going out and they're, they're wiping these towns out and just taking everything they have uh, back for their provisions. And so uh, he's lying to everybody here, telling him, telling him other things. And so uh, the enemy's, he's like, hey, no problem. We don't need to kill David now. He's, he's over there against God, against God's people. Let's just let him be. And it's the same with us. You'll see that, man, 
<clears throat> why am I going through such a difficult time? And then these sinners over here, you know, nothing, they're not going through any problems, you know, they're, and uh, the enemies are fine with them, you know, if they're hanging out away from the Lord, doing their own thing, living in the world, that's right where he wants you. So he, he's not going to, he's not after you. He's, he's not pursuing that. Uh, the other thing, though, we see in Scripture is when, when the enemy will kind of let up from us is we see this example of Jesus when he was taken into the wilderness and he was uh, tempted by Satan and he quoted the word of God, right? And we're told that Satan departed from him for a time, it says. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we're told he was temp under temptation, he's sweating blood, and he's praying the whole time. And so if you think about when the enemy is tempting us and we dig into the word of God or we start praying to the Lord, if we're growing closer to the Lord because of his temptation, that's not what he wants. That's the, that's the opposite. So he's going to pull back. He's going to say, man, I don't, every time I tempt this guy, he goes into his Bible and he starts praying that's I don't want that. I want them to be out of the Bible. I want them to be not praying. And so they will pull back, you know, for a time, but they're going to come back. That's just part of it. That's part of part of uh, what God does, how God grows us here. And so uh, so anyway, Saul stops pursuing him. So uh, good for that. But uh, now let's see where he goes on in verse five. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, if I have found favor, here David's saying, if I have found favor in the enemy's eyes, if I found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me, one of the country, country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that, so that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days of David that lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. So now David says, oh, you know, he, he, he wants this. We're going to see why he wants this town outside of uh, there. So Achish doesn't know what's going on because he's going to be lying to him. Uh, but he makes it sound like, oh, I'm your servant. And, and uh, you know, why? why should I dwell in the royal city with you, the king? You know, I'm just this lowly servant. So uh, Akish gives him this. And, uh, and think about this. If David is the servant of Akish, then Akish is the what of David? The Lord of David. He's his master. If you're the servant, then he's the master. He's the Lord. And... Uh, and so why does David want to live away from his new master? We're told here in verse 8, Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as Shur to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, oxen, and donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Akish asked, verse 10, where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah. So he's not, he's attacking these Philistine allied countries, but he tells Akish that he's attacking the Negev of Judah, against the Negev of the uh, Jeromelites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man or woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done, right? Did men tell no tales, right? You can't, if you leave no witnesses, nobody can come go against your story. And so was the, his custom, and all the while he lived in the country of Philistines. So this is what they did all the time. They would go out to these cities uh, and wipe them out, and then just take all the the uh, provisions, take everything they had. That's how they were providing for themselves in this country. That's how they, what they lived on. And uh, now these cities that they're taking over, they were devoted to destruction when the Israelites took the land under Joshua. Remember, God gave him that whole layout, said, I want you to, this is all of this property is, belongs to you. And they were supposed to go in and wipe them out. And they never did 
completely, uh, they just kind of stopped. You know, they settled in the land, they split it up and said, well, this is good enough. Then uh, Saul, in, uh, you know, several hundred years later, Saul in, in chapter 15, we'll just read this again. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted that Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Remember, Saul did not obey the Lord completely. They went out, they wiped him, but they, they spared the king, they spared some of the people, they brought back some of the animals. And God's, because of that, God said, I'm removing you from king. Now David does the same thing. He goes to the same town. He wipes all the people out, though, uh, but just because, so there's no witnesses. And then he brings all the animals, brings it all back. And uh, so Saul did not obey the Lord completely. David's not following the Lord at all, even though this had previously been devoted to destruction. He's doing this just to provide for himself and the people. That's his motive in this situation. And, you know, someone might say, well, does the motive matter? I mean, he's doing, he's taking care of business, what God wanted taken care of. Does his motive really matter? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." It's not about doing good things. We're not saved by good works. We're saved through Jesus, through our Lord. And go, going out on your own, by your own will, even if you're doing good works, you're helping an old lady across the street or whatever you think is a good work, or even if it's a good work according to the Bible, if you're doing it under your own authority, under your own lead, you're still in charge. You're still the Lord of your life, the God of your life. That The whole point of God's uh, method of salvation is that we would deny that, we would repent of being the God of our own lives, and that we would allow him to be our Lord and Master. And so if Jesus isn't leading you to help the old lady cross the street, then it's not, you're doing it on your own initiative. You're doing it, you know, I'll, well, I'll, I'll do good things, you know, on my own time when I want to do them, you know, the way I want to do them. Well, that's not, Jesus isn't your Lord then. You're, your, you're in charge. You're the Lord. And that's what David was doing here, even though he went and wiped out these nations that were dev previously devoted to destruction. He's doing it for his own reasons, to provide for their own food for their own people in a place that they shouldn't even be at. God was, all, God was providing for them. I mean, they were still alive after seven years. Uh, God was providing for them. Not only that, he's lying to Akish. And uh, some might think, well, hey, isn't lying to your enemy okay? No, it's not. Our enemy is the father of lies, the father of deceit. If we're lying to him, we're hit. we're working with him that's what he wants you know when we lie we're serving satan he's our master he's the father of lies he's in charge of that and so even if even if it's he you know you, someone will say that well i'm lying for a good cause well it's still it's still lying it's still using the enemy uh the means of the enemy to accomplish what you want to accomplish god can accomplish whatever he needs to accomplish with in truth he doesn't have to do it in deceit and in a lie. And then verse uh, 27, or chap verse 12 of chapter 27. And Achish trusted David, thinking he has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. So because Achish thinks he's attacking Israel and, 
and uh, he thinks, man, David's re- they're going to hate him, right? He's really made himself the, an enemy of Israel, so, man, he's going to always be my servant. And then what we see in chapter 28, just the beginning, in those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel, and Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, very well, you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. And so now in this situation, he's really got himself dug in now. He's, Achish wants him to join the Philistine army or expects him to be part of this army to fight against God's people. You know, here the anointed king of Israel right. has got himself in a position where he's going to be fighting against his, God's own people. And if he tells, you know, what's he going to do? He's been lying to him all this time. If he tells him they're, going to, they're in the city of the Philistines, there's way more Philistines than there is David and his 600 men. He's really got himself in a tough situation. And then you will see later in, in, it's not till chapter 29 that this part continues. It stops, verse 3, it goes into Saul going and visiting the witch. So he's off doing crazy stuff too. So uh, both the kings here are doing uh, off the path. And so uh, it just shows you, you know, he just, it all started with just him yeah, David following his heart. He just he got he got discouraged. You know, he was. It's been a long time. They've been. You know, how how are we going to keep? How am I going to keep hiding? I'm running out of hiding places. <clears throat> and uh, but it does show us that we don't want to put people on pedestals. Even David, all the heroes, Abraham, they all messed up. They're all men, uh, women. They're just people like you and I. And so, uh, if God can use David. Uh, any of these guys, he can use any any one of us. Uh, we're all the same, you know. We 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 mess up. Uh, the difference between David is David repents of that, and Saul refused to repent of that. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, uh, some may think, well, man, if you would think God would have said just like He did with Saul, you know what, your time's over. Uh, but it's interesting how David showed mercy to Saul, right? Twice he spared his life. And so David uh, to Saul was very, very merciful. And uh, we're told, you know, Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, basically the measure that you give, it'll be measured back to you. And so we see God does that. God's showing, giving David this extra portion of, of mercy. And, uh, you know, we... We can never, and you know, there's, I guess, a, a legalistic church might argue, we can never be an example of perfection. Jesus is an example of perfection, but we as people cannot. We can never, and if you try to live, live up to that and you mess up, you blow it, and then what? I mean, that just happens no matter what you're doing on the job or as a parent or whatever. There's just, we can never do that. But we can be an example of repentance. Yeah. We can be an example of, uh, of coming back to the Lord. What happens when we do mess up? Now what do you do? do you, like Saul did, do you just, uh, or you know, I didn't mess up, and uh, try to save face, pretend that you're perfect, or like David, do you, can you, do you say, you know, agree with the Lord? I messed up. Now what, Lord? And repent. And, uh, and so there's like three mistakes. David, he doesn't turn to the Lord. Uh, he, he looked to his heart for that. He turns to the enemy. And uh, it's crazy. And then uh, we don't ever want to take our eyes off of Jesus. You know, in, like Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and, and uh, sinks. And David here, he just kind of took his eyes off the Lord. He just lost, lost where he was going. All right, do we have, anybody have any questions or comments? David? So in first Samuel chapter twenty seven verse ten says Negev, right? Yes. This Bible says Negev, but the is it like the typo or is it like 
It's just the same. It's just a different translation. Yeah. Yeah. You have your own Bible, David. Mine says southern. That must be a word that means southern. Southern, towards the south. Yeah, my translation just says southern. Yeah. Any other comments, questions? I have a comment. It doesn't really have anything to do with the lesson, but I just have a phrase for it. Oh, okay. I have a couple. One is that it looks fine. Yeah. Praise God. And then second, today is Michaela's three-year anniversary. Oh, really? Congratulations. All right. Praise God. I don't know if everybody heard that. Uh, it's Clay and Michaela's uh, third anniversary, and uh, Luke, their new baby, is doing good, healthy. Praise God. Well, let's pray, and we'll uh, worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being our God and for loving us so much. And for uh, even when we go off the track, Lord, off the rails, and uh, like David does here, he just out of discouragement and whatever, he listened to his heart, Lord, instead of listening to you. And Lord, when that happens with us, we just ask, I just ask that you just help us to just get back on track uh, quickly, Lord, and just have mercy on us and uh, draw us back to you, Lord. We just ask that you fill us with your spirit, and uh, Lord, and just uh, those things in our, our lives. Uh, I know you tell us that, uh, and we forgot uh, this verse, Lord, that you... Uh, you use these things uh, to mold us and to shape us. You tell us in James that uh, we should be thankful for going through various trials, Lord, because you use those to, to mold us, to shape us, to give us those patience to increase our faith, Lord, and to just make us into the people that you want us to be. And so, Lord, we see that's what you're doing with David here, that you're uh, molding him and shaping him. That's why you kept him out in the wilderness so long, Lord, uh, just to rely on you, to trust in you. And Lord, help us to, to rely on you, to trust you, Lord, and just help us to uh, allow you to take us through difficult times, Lord. We know you don't take us out of them so often as you take us through them. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would just help us to remember that and help us to just look to you, not look to our hearts, but look to you, to your word, uh, for the truth and for direction in the ways we should go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome teaching. Praise God. Well, if you're not holding a baby, stand up and worship the Lord. And even if you are holding a baby and you feel like you can do both, that's fine too.
surrender to you, Lord, our, our will and our lust and our want and all of the things that we think we should go following after. We just lay them all down, Lord. They are garbage. They are dirt. They are below your feet. And Lord, we want to take on what you want for us, what your will is, what your thoughts, what your plans are, because they're perfect. God, help us to just decrease so that you might increase all the more. We thank you for being so faithful to us every time that we mess up, every time we fall down. You are so faithful to lovingly restore us. As soon as we're ready to repent, you're ready to receive us. We thank you for that, Jesus. You are so kind and loving. And we just praise you. In the mighty name of our God and Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed.